Hi, and welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray as you listen, God would meet you and speak to you in a personal way. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Well, good morning, church. It's a great day to come to church, right? How many of you, you have, well, most of us, we all have uh, tomorrow off, right? Canada Day. And uh, what I wanted to do before I go to the message, I just wanted to take the time just to pray for our nation. Um, We live in an awesome land. We live in a land of milk and honey. And uh, at the same time, we live in a a land where there's a lot of of stress, right, when it comes to moral issues and and, uh, from uh, same-sex living to abortion through to different topics. And and what we want to see is we want to see God's will be done in our lives, right? We want to see a revival in our land. We want to see a turning to God. So I would like to lead in a prayer this morning as we start the, ser- well, start, start the message, as we place ourselves before the Lord. I would ask you to stand, and I just want to lead you in a prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for this land. We thank you so much for Canada. You are an amazing God. We thank you for your blessing, prosperity. We thank you for our forefathers that... Uh, that wanted to have you as the foundation of the nation. And we come back to this, Lord. We want, you to, we want to see you from coast to coast be the Lord, uh, be a functional Lord, not just to be a figurehead. Uh, we pray that you would uh, breathe upon the church, where you would uh, bring a renewal, a revival in the church when it comes to their calling and, the, and also uh, when it comes to their relationship with you. Father, we pray that uh, uh, we would see a wave of your spirit upon our nation. And we come before you, we stand and we intercede, we stand in the gap for our country. And we pray for your will to be done and for your kingdom to come. Father, we pray for a, a time where we, where we will see you, a time where we will see a revival across this land from coast to coast. So Father, what we do right now, we present ourselves before you. And we know that you want to do that through us that you want to reach this nation through me, through us, and we place ourselves available, and we want, to, we want to respond to your call, and I just pray that we would be open to what you want to say and also what you want to do in us and through us. And Father, as we go uh, through your word this morning, may you inspire us. May you inspire us in a new way, in a fresh way this morning. We know that your spirit is well and your spirit is here And we want to see the will of the Father be done. We want to see the example of Christ through our lives. And we want to see the empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon us. So may you have your way as we come before your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we are in this topic of heroes. And there's a lot of awesome heroes in the Bible. And I'd like to focus on Sarah this morning, the wife of Abraham. And... uh, she is mentioned in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. And uh, when it comes to life, we, we don't want to go through the motion. We don't want to go through life just doing life. What we want to do and what we want to take a hold of is, is the will of God. At the same time, we want to see God take a hold of our lives, right? Uh, I, I think that if life is just doing life, I think it's pointless. I believe that it it has no purpose. But I really believe that God has made us with purpose. 
right, that God has placed us here uh, for a meeting and that we are first important for him because of what he has done on Calvary and that we're loved by him, that we were made in his image. But at the same time, I believe that God wants to empower us and lead us and, and move us in his perfect will, what he has in store. Amen? So if you have your Bible, take a look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It gives us a snapshot of the race that we're on. And if you would read chapter 11, you would see the heroes of the faith, those that have walked by faith. And some of the heroes of the faith, they never saw the fulfillment of the promise, but they stayed focused and they saw their, their, uh, their kids or grandkids and generations after stepping in that promise. So here you have... This example, this picture of verse 1 of chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a, a cloud of witnesses, and the picture here is of a stadium where, the, where the, the heroes of the faith are cheering us on in the race. They're there in this, this arena, and, and we are running, and they're saying, come on, Claude, you can do it. And they're shouting your name, and they're saying, hey, you, you can do it. Uh, and and we can, as we go through the Bible, as we study the Bible, we see examples and pictures, uh, uh, the relevancy of the Bible, and, and it's there to inspire us. And the beauty with the Bible, it's transparent. We see um, the strength of the, these heroes, but we also find their weaknesses and their mistakes. You know, when you look at other books in history, uh, most of the time it focuses only on the strength of the individual. In the Bible, we see also the, weakness, uh, the weaknesses, like, like in the life of David or, or uh, other prophets were, or Jeremiah. We find, we find that the Bible is transparent when it comes to that. And I believe it's there to encourage us to run the race and fulfill our calling. So it says in this that there's a cloud of witnesses and they're there and they're cheering us on and they want us to remember their race and they want us to imitate them knowing that we're not alone. Can you tell your neighbor that you're not alone in this race? You're not the first one to run the race. There's been some people ahead of you and they're there to encourage you to run the race. And because of that, look what it says. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. I believe one of the greatest theme that we got to take a hold of is that there's a race marked out for us. It doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter how young, how old you are. There's a race marked for you and for me. I need to know that. I need to capture this truth that there's a race marked out for me, that God has a plan for me, that God wants to glorify himself in my life. And I look back at the heroes of the faith. I'm challenged to run the race like they did. And if you look at the example of Sarah, that before her name was Sarah I, and she had a name, a change of name, and Sarai means princess, and Sarah means princess of a multitude. That when God called Abraham and Sarah out of Mesopotamia to come into the promised land, they didn't have a clue how it was going to look, but God called them and God had a purpose for them. I don't know if Sarah and Abraham saw or pictured that they would be a father and mothers of a multitude. I don't think they did. But one of the things they did is that they followed through and they followed the ways of the Lord. And was it perfect? No. If you look in the book of Genesis, it wasn't perfect. But their hearts were to follow God. And I think it's important for me and you 
to realize that, that God has marked a race out for me, and what I have to be concerned of, it's the sin and the things that wants to hold me back or prevent me of reaching that goal, and also the call to run with perseverance. It says run. It doesn't say crawl. It doesn't, it doesn't say walk. It says run with perseverance. So we're called to run this race with perseverance, knowing that God has set us apart to run that race, that we all have a race. And I want to take a hold of this truth because this is fundamental. If I don't see myself, if I don't see and believe that God has a, 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 a race mark for me, I'm just going to cruise through life and do whatever I want. But when I take all of the truth that there's a race, there's a, there's a race mark for me, there's a track for me to, ro- to, to, to run on, it, it should cause me to stop and say, am I running on this track? Am I where God wants me to be? And here it says that we're called to one, run with perseverance, the race mark for us. And it says in verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus the perfect, perfect example, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So you see here, the ultimate example that we want to follow is Jesus. Listen to this. You have a race mark for you. It's different from your neighbor. It's unique. It's special. But we all have the same calling. It's to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. When we take our eyes off Jesus, this is where we go astray. When we take control of our own lives, when we take control of our own destiny, when we say, hey, I can handle this, I can do that on my own, or you respond in the flesh, you respond according to the ways of this world, this is where you can be drawn away from that path that God has for you. So it's important to realize that when it comes to life, I'm accountable to God for this path. God has set a path before me, and he wants me to run with perseverance. Then you have this example of Sarah and all the other saints that you have in the Old Testament that are there to encourage us and to remind us how we should run. Let's say Sarah would leave the bleachers for a moment and say, hey, I'm going to go and run with you, and she would run beside you. What would she say to you? And that's what I'd like to focus, three things that she would say to you. And, uh, and so, so the first thing she would say to you is, even if it takes time, trust God. Even if it takes time, trust God. Even though it takes time, trust God. And we, we, we look at Sarah, and, and it, it, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, Hebrews 11, verse 11, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren, it was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. You look at Sarah. When you look at, we're going to take a look at Genesis here. And you can see that her faith is not perfect. And you know what? God is not looking for perfect faith. God is not looking for a people that has no issues. God understands that we have issues. Like sometimes we think that God, what he expects is that we would take five steps forward. And then we would take another five steps forward, and then we would take another five steps forward, and we, take, we would take another five steps forward, and reality is that we take three steps forward, and then a step backwards, and then we take five steps forward, and then we take three back steps forward, uh, backwards, and that's been the journey of our lives. 
And right? Would you agree? That seems to be how we're defined, right? We go forward, we, we go astray, astray for a little while, and we come back. It seems to be what, uh, how our, our life looks like. And you look at the life of Sarah, it's the same thing. But she was considered a woman of faith because she wanted to grow, and she wanted to mature, and she was flexible. She was flexible to the transformation of the Lord, and she had a desire to grow. And that's the fundamental when it comes to life. And sometimes we disqualify ourselves because we look at perfection, and we say, oh, this is how I should be. Yeah, for sure, that would be the ultimate. That would be awesome if you could. But in reality is that we struggle, and we want to take a step forward. We want to grow. We want to learn from our errors, and we want to be flexible where we can, we can hear what God has to say so that we can re be realigned with his will. Amen? We want to see that. But if Sarah would run beside me and you, I believe she, she would encourage me to, to, uh, uh, to, to, to trust God even when it takes time. If you look at Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, it says, And the Lord took Abram Abraham outside and said to him, and I, I like the story where he takes him out of, outside of the tent, and he shows them the stores. And I've used this text before. I, I think it speaks volumes because sometimes we're stuck in our tent and we don't see the possibilities. And we look at the top of our tent and we think that's it. And sometimes God wants to take us out of our tent and see us the possibilities in him. That this, this is what, what he has planned for, for Abram and that's what he has, he has plans for me too. And here it says that, Then the Lord took Abram outside of the tent and said to him, Look, into the sky and count the stars if you can. And Abram, Abram couldn't because it was too many. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous before uh, because of his faith. So, so what you see here is God gave a promise to Abraham and Sarah that they would have a kid. But it took 25 years for that promise to come true. How, how many of you would agree that 25 years is a long time? Come on, right? 25 years, not six months, not a year. After 11 years, this is where she said, let's take matter in our own hands, right? But what happens is when you take matters in your own hands, there's going to be consequences of it. And the thing is, it's hard to wait, right? It's hard to wait. And one of the big things that we deal with or what we need to grow in is patience. Grow in patience. Trust God. You want to trust God that God has set a path before you, and you want to trust God and believe that God is on your side. When you take a hold of this truth and you rely on God and you trust in God, I believe then you will be able to step in what God has in store. I, I believe that if Sarah would, would run beside us, she would say, don't complicate God's promise with your solution. Don't complicate God's promise with your solution. Don't try to run ahead of God. Don't try to fix things on your own. Don't try to do things by your own strength. And sometimes it's not fast enough, right? Let's say you want to get married. You're not finding Mr. Right according to your speed, so you compromise your values. Let's say you're in a business deal and you want to closure, and you compromise uh, uh, morality, or you 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 uh, you, uh, uh, you you shave the corners, or you not you don't do what is right, and you think by doing this that it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be good and and, and that God's gonna bless it. But when you do that, you will miss out on what God has in store. And Sarah is that typical example of a woman that received the promise of God where God told her that he would do this and do that and she decided not to wait, jump the gun, and answer her own, uh, 
answer God's promise. If you look in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to, to bear children for him, and, but she had an Egyptian servant named Agor that was her slave. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has pre prevented me from having children. And there's no place in the Bible where God says that he prevented her to have children. It, it, was, it, it was her own conclusion. You see, things did not happen to her, her speed. So what, what, what she came to is she kind of said, well, God doesn't want to have, God is not giving me kids. God closed my womb. So, so because of that, she says, go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram, Abram agreed. So you see here in this text is that she said, if I can have children. So she took ownership of her life, and she decided not to follow through uh, with God's promise. And she came up with a solution without involving God. Like I said, it took 11 years. So this is where she threw the towel, and she, she took matter in, in, in her own hands without consult, consulting God. And I think this is, a, this is a danger for all of us, right? You know what God wants you to do. You understand it's not because of a lack of knowledge. It's not because of a lack of knowledge. It's a desire to ignore the truth and then take ownership because you want something to happen in your life. And you, uh, you, you go on the fast forward button and you just hope it's going to turn out right without having God in the picture. Uh, there's a good chance that it won't. Because what happened is she created a mess. She literally created a mess. It brought tension between her and Agar to the point that she didn't want to have Agar around her anymore. It brought tension between her and her husband. She blamed her husband and brought tension there. And then it brought tremendous tension among the brothers that are still fighting today. See? The thing is when you jump the gun and you go before God, not be, go before God as you go before God, but you step ahead of God and you do stuff without having his viewpoint, ignoring the truth, and closing your eyes to, to the truth and, and God's ways, there's going to be consequences of that. And, you, and you're going to miss on what God wants to do, and you will cause problems, and, and you'll cause tension because of that. So it's so important to realize that what we do, we want to be inspired by God, and we want to follow God's timeline, and, and, and we want to be, um, be according, uh, what we, we want to know what He has to say. I like what it says in Psalm 37, verse 7. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Don't look around. Don't look at, at what's around you. Look at God. Take the time to wait before the Lord. Like, whatever you're dealing with, take a time to take a breather and say, God, what are you up to? What do you want to say? We live in a busy, busy world, and we don't do that very well. We react, we respond to things. And instead of responding and coming to conclusions and reading between the lines and so on, why don't we take a time aside and wait to see what God, wait to, what, wait to see what God has to say. What are you saying in this, Lord, regarding your marriage, your business, or regarding a church, whatever it is? God, what is your feeling? What is your thought? What is your word regarding a situation? You don't want to just react act. You don't want just to respond because you'll miss out on what God has in store for you. A moment of patience can save a lifetime of regrets. True, right? 
Let's give you an example of when you drive a car and you're in a hurry. You're going to the city and you're on a rush and you just pass cars. And, and sometimes you look at people that are taking crazy risks, right? Probably happened to you, right? You're looking at this guy that just this, uh, uh, passed you and you say, is he stupid or what, right? He just goes and there's another car coming and, just, and you have to put the brake and you're holding back of just pressing that horn. You, you're, you're holding back of trying to pass that van too and, and, and sticking to his bumper just to show him how stupid it was what he did, right? Anger comes up. Does it happen to you sometime? <laughs> right? Taking a risk. Taking a risk. Putting wisdom aside just for a moment can cost you a lot, right? From lust to, to selfishness and things that you, or you, you're not waiting to wait and, and, you, and you just respond. And when you do, well, it causes you problems. A moment of patience can save you a lifetime of regrets. Absolutely. You know, when you wait, and God permits for us to wait. Have you noticed that? God permits for us to wait. And it's not, how many of you, you love to wait? I know I don't, especially when my wife goes to, to uh, Polo Park. <laughs> I don't like it. It's funny, though, because I want to be patient because I want to have a good time with her, right? So she goes in the store. I think she's done until she finds another piece. <clears throat> and then she says, ah, oh, give me another second. And then she goes in and she says, hey, do you, can you go? And then she involves me in the process. Can you go and get uh, this size? Okay, and I'm looking around and I can't find it. And, and then I'm saying, oh, I've, got to, I've got to have fun in this. And, and then you start to have fun. And, and as you go along, it takes more and more time. And you have this plastic smile. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know this plastic smile. Huh? And, and, then, and then later on, she, you're, you're, you're on the plan, you're, you're planning to leave. And then she takes a little rabbit trail into another store. And then she comes back out. And the, the, the next thing you want to do is to just, boo, right? <laughs> That's me. Boo. And then, then, I, then I, I say these stupid things, nothing, nothing, like just stupid. And, and then I'm saying, I've waited all this time for nothing. Right? <laughs> True, eh? You wait for an hour and all that. And the last, let's, the last 10 minutes, you can't hold it back you got to say something stupid. And then, and then she looks at you. You can't be patient. I was patient for all the stuff. It's easy for me to talk. She's not here. Maybe I'll have to change my message. You're privileged. The first crowd is privileged. And, and so the reality is that God wants to work in my life when I'm waiting. Like we ask God, come intervene in my life. Come and answer my prayer. And God say, yes, I will. But by the way, I'll get involved in you. By the way, you know, I uh, really, uh, it's, I, I made you wait a bit because there's some stuff in your life that I want to address. I, I want God to answer my prayers, but I'm not too much excited when he wants to come and, and, and touch me and move me and change me, right? It seems every time I ask God to move in my relationships, God comes and, and pokes me, <laughs> See, God, I didn't pray for that. I pray for you to intervene in my relationship. And God says, yeah, I want to intervene in your relationship, but I want to change you in the process, right? So when you wait, realize that God is working in you. You might be looking around and say, well, if this would happen, if that would happen, look at the process. Maybe 
In all that ways, God is fashioning you. And that's what happened to Sarah. God was fashioning her while she was waiting. God is, and I said that before, God is more concerned about your character than your comfort. So sometimes God will discipline you and God will work into your life because he wants to change you. You know why? It's because he has a plan for you. He has things he wants to do in the future through your life. So you want to be fashioned and worked by him. So you want to see God change you, right? That's what it says in James chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trial of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing, anything. So God is at work, and he wants, to, he wants to develop you. He wants to grow in your life because he has a destination for you. Can I tell you a dad's joke? My kids will say that's a boring joke, so I'm going to say it. It's a, there's this guy that asked God, what is a million years to you? And, and God answered it's, it's like a second. And the guy asked, God, what is a million dollar to you? And God answered it's it's like a penny. And the guy said, could you give me a penny like this? And the Lord said, oh, yeah, in a second. <laughs> so that's a dad's joke, right? So I believe that if Sarah would run with us, she would say, hey, don't jump the gun. The second thing I believe God, uh, Sarah would say to us if she would run beside us as we were running our life, running on the path that God has set before us, she would say, even if, when it seems ridiculous, trust God. Even when it seems ridiculous, trust God. And you got this example in Genesis chapter 18, verse 10. It says, Then the Lord said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. And you'll notice there's quite a few emphasis on that. And Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? If anything too hard for the Lord, I'll re- I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Uh, we like verse 14, right? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? The story here is that Sarah and, and Abraham, it wasn't working anymore, right? They were past the date of, of uh, there were some functioning, non-functioning parts anymore. And, uh, and, and the thing is, they could not have kids. So, so God, you're too late now. We can't have kids. Uh, I, we're, we, we can't anymore. And I don't know how to say it better, right? <laughs> so they just couldn't. And, and, uh, and do you find that this is how God functions, right? You notice this is, it seems to be the way he works when we can't. When we come to a point where it just doesn't work anymore, where we come to a point of desperation and we say, God, I, I can't anymore. And then, it, 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 I don't know, I, I think it changes our desperation. I think it brings us to another level. It becomes more serious, right? Because when you, when you can, you, uh, you have a sense of control, right? When you can, oh, yeah, I know where I'm going, yeah, I've, I've got this under control. But when you don't have it under control anymore, 
and you realize that it's not working, then you turn to God, right? The, the thing is, what's normal to God? Listen to this. This is a punchline here. What's normal to God is for us to trust Him. What's abnormal to God is when we don't trust Him. That's abnormal to Him. God, God doesn't, get me right when I say this, God doesn't understand when we don't trust Him. And that's what He's saying to, to Abraham here. Like, don't you know that I can do everything, anything? Like, do you get this? Do you see this? It should be part of our belief, and we should have that stored into our heart, that God is the God of the impossible. Man, man's normal is, I got it. That's man's normal, I've got it. But God's normal is, I've got it. And I think there's a, a, a conflict that happens. There's a conflict. When you take control of your life and you live your life, you know, I think you're missing out on, on what God has in store. I, I believe that when you live, listen to this, when you live in the natural and the normal according to man, you're missing out on God's miracles. You are. Because the only way that they could experience a miracle in this story is that they were not able anymore. You see? I believe that God wants me to step out in, in, in faith. God wants me to believe that He is able to, to hold me when I walk on water. He wants me to rely on Him even when it's beyond my abilities. The thing is, what we do, we keep it safe. We, we stay where we can have control. We stay where we can be able to do it. But God is calling us to go further. Listen to this. You were made with purpose. You have a, a path before you. Uh, like Abraham and, and Sarah, they didn't know where all this was going, but they trusted God. And even though their faith was not perfect, they were able to see God do a miracle. But one of the things that needed to happen, I believe that it's a, it's a spiritual teaching, they needed to come to this place where they realized that they were not able to do it on their own. God, we can't do it, but God can, Right? But God can. I think it's important for us to know that. Um, Sarah didn't have any more time, and the facts were against her, but God was on her side. I just want to say this to you, if you can remember this. This is what I wanted to share, share to you with all my heart. God always has a plan. Can you tell your neighbor that God has a plan? God always has a plan, even if we started without him. You see, even if we blew it, God always has a plan. There's never, in God's mind, there's never a, a lack of plan. There's never, uh, God is never to the point where he doesn't have a plan. So whatever you face, whatever you are right now, don't define your future by what's happening today. Realize that God has a plan. He always has a plan. Always has a plan. Because God has set a path before you, even though you go off course, he has a plan to bring you on course. He always has a plan. And when we believe, when we start to believe in doubt, when we start to doubt that God has a plan, this is where, uh, this is where discouragement comes, and this is where we're just living day by day. But I need to believe that God has a plan. And he wants to lead me in that plan. God always has a plan, even when I fail. God has a plan. Right? And I need to believe that. I need to store that into my heart. And if I do, this is where I will be able to do his will. So if Sarah would walk and run beside us, she would say, Hey, it doesn't matter what you see, 
Just trust God and let him lead you to where you've never been before. The third thing I think Sarah would say is that what God has for you is better than what you imagine. Like she saw before Isaac and she saw after. She experienced before Isaac and she experienced after Isaac. And she's running beside us. Let's say she would be running beside us. She would say, it was worth the wait. Got this beautiful kid now. You know, God gave us. We were, we were not able. We were dead physically, and, and God gave us. It's a miracle baby. It's Isaac, and he became the father of the Israelites, right? What a story, right? So she would say, hey, it's worth the wait. Don't run before God. Don't become bitter regarding God when things are not panning out. Come before him. Uh, don't, don't jump the gun, she would say. She would say, hey, stay, stay the course, Stay the course. Let him lead you. Don't compromise. It's worth the wait. I like what it says in Isaiah 64, verse 4, beautiful verse. It says, For since the world began, no ear has heard, and no eye have seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. I really like this. Who works for those who wait for him. So there's no God like this who works for those who wait for him. So when you wait for him, when you allow him to come in your journey, when you give room to him, he will work for you. And there's nobody like him, right? What he does, he does well. We just look at creation, right? So he will work for you. He will work for you if you stay on course, if you stay focused on him, on the author and the perfecter of your faith. He will work for you. So this is why I, I need to believe that there's a plan because he will work for me if I, if, I, if, I, if I wait upon him and I wait for him to show me the way when I depend on him. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plan to prosper you and not to harm you, plan to give you a hope in the future. I need to believe that. I need to believe that, you know. The challenge that we have this morning is, it's not to do life solo, but to ask God to come in. I would ask you to close your eyes at this point here. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and and you face an impossible situation. You're at a crossroad and you say, you know, I've tried this, I've tried that. It might be in your relationships, it might be financially, it might be in your health, it might be your workplace. You feel like you're out of resources. Well, God has a plan. God wants to encourage you this morning and he wants to whisper to your heart and say, I have a plan, says the Lord. He would be patient and rely on you, trust in you. And that we, you, we would not take ownership of our own lives, but that we would trust in your lordship and we would come under you. And we would believe that you are faithful and we would trust in the fact that you are the one that provides. Father, we repent of our independence. We repent of taking pleasure in flying solo. But we choose this morning not to. We choose to uh, experience or to make a decision to do life differently where we will um, look to you, believe in your promises, and know that you are in control, and know that you have a plan, and, and you have a path for me to run on. I, I pray, Father, that any lies that would be believed with this thought that it's too late to pursue your plans, or I'm too foregone to do that, would be broken. That each person here would believe and know that you have a plan for them. That you have a plan for them. 
that you want them to be fruitful, that you want them to run the race and, and, and reach their destination. We thank you for Sarah's example that even though she struggled, you still worked through her life. And she's considered a woman of faith because she believed the promise. Father, I, I want to be and we want to be a people of faith, a people that be, believes in you and trusts in you. So we choose, Father, to live life according to your ways and trust in your direction. And if you're here this morning and you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, you've never, you, you never came to the point or this place where you said, God, I give you my life. I surrender to you my life. Maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe it's your first time. It doesn't really matter. But I believe that God wants to touch you. And I don't want you to leave without making a decision this morning. I believe that God has a path for you to run on. He made you with purpose. And this is it. This can be a turn, a turning point in your life, but it's really up to you. You have to respond to God. God doesn't force anything on us. He, he's a gentleman. He invites us. If that's you this morning, I dare to raise up your hand and say, hey, I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want to follow him. Or I want to recommit my life to the Lord. I want to get back on track. If that's you, can you raise your hand up? Someone here. Mm. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Maybe you're here this morning and you've derailed, you're derailed, you've, you're not where you should be. I invite you to say to the, to the Lord here, I, I recommit my life to you, I, I want to see your will be done. And maybe you've jumped the gun, maybe you've went before the Lord, but don't walk in guilt. You can't experience a change this morning, you can run the race with joy and peace that God has set before you. If that's you, I just invite you to say, God, restore me. Restore me in your will. Restore me in your will. Restore me in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on the GMC podcast. For more information about what's going on this week, check out gmchurch.ca. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful week.